0: The Holy Gospel according to St. Luke, the 14th chapter. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees, they were watching him carefully. And behold, there's a man before him who had dropsy. And Jesus responded to the lawyers and Pharisees saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? Or not? And they remained silent. Then he took him and healed him and sent him away. And he said to them, Which of you, having a son or an ox, that has fallen into a well on the Sabbath day, would not immediately pull him out? And they could not reply to these things. Now he told a parable to those who were invited when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person, and then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who who humbles himself will be exalted. He said also to the man who had invited him. When you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors. Lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Because they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. This is the gospel of our Lord. So Jesus, I think this is like the sixth time he eats with people in the Gospel of Luke. Luke is going to wrap up at some point soon in the next 10 chapters, and so time is getting short. Him trying to show through his presence what that eating and table fellowship should be is ramping up, getting more intense and serious. Because Jesus is pretty harsh with his rebukes. And if you look at it from a bird's eye's view, this story, what's going on, it's almost so tenuous you could, um, it's like when Scooby-Doo in the intro to Scooby-Doo, like he cuts with a knife the, the fog and he puts his face into it and then eats it like cotton candy. That's kind of what the mood of the room was like. So it's Sabbath, and Jesus goes to dine at the house of a ruler of the Pharisees. The Pharisees are, I think, pretty admirable because have you ever seen um, um, The Fiddler on the Roof? And he sings a song that gets stuck in your head for weeks on end. It's when, If I Was a Rich Man, right? And he says, If I Was a Rich Man. I would study the Torah all day. That's the last verse. If I was a rich man, I would study the Torah all day. And that's what a Pharisee is. It's a merchant, a a skilled artisan, someone that made enough money that they retired early, and now they are a leader at the church, and they're studying the Torah all day and talking about it. And so it was a place of honor to be invited to a Pharisee, to, sorry, to his house, to eat with him and see what the other Pharisees thought, maybe on that week's reading, or how it might apply to a personal problem in your life, and they would talk about it endlessly, and maybe they'd shoot out three or four answers, and you'd think about it, and you'd try to apply it to your life. But what's unfortunate about this is he sa- it says that he was invited to eat at this house of a ruler of the Pharisees, and they were watching him carefully. They wanted him to make a wrong move so they could add to his case to be killed. And so for some reason... In the house of someone who's obsessed with staying ceremonially clean, not touching the dead, not touching the diseased, because he doesn't want to mess up his cleanliness, there's a man with dropsy. Now, dropsy is something I had to Google. It's a swelling of different parts of the body because you're retaining fluid for a multitude of reasons. But let's just say, if you Google it, There was not an easy way to hide that this man had dropsy. He wasn't there by mistake. And so many people believe that these Pharisees were trying, they had brought this man with dropsy to try and mess up this Sabbath dinner, a Seder meal. And so Jesus just plain looks around. It's like, where's Jesus? Is he sitting at the place of honor? I want to ask him his opinion about this text. I want to ask Rabbi Jesus why he taught this on that mountain that one time. But instead, he's over there with the guy with dropsy that I would never dream of talking to in a million years because he's nasty. And there's Jesus. With the man with dropsy, he responds to the lawyers and the Pharisees. He says, is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? Basically, what is he asking? He's asking, are you guys going to let me heal this guy or not? Not lawful as in the laws of God, but whatever y'all decided that's not in the word of God. Are y'all going to let me heal this man or not? And they remain silent. Who knows, maybe to dwell on his words, to think on them, pray on them, if we put the best construction on it. But Jesus takes action. Instead of criticizing, he simply heals this man and sends him away. And I almost think of it like, like, you know when, um, um, like in a Western, when there's going to be a big shootout and the hero loves his horse, and so he knows there's going to be a big shootout, and he slaps the horse on the butt, and it runs away, so that it will be clear, far clear of any violence and danger. That's kind of what Jesus is doing. He's like, get out of here. This is not where you want to be. They are not having a feast the way you ought to have a feast. You're not welcome here, is what Jesus is saying. The, the host of this meal is not... Happy that you're here, man with dropsy. And then he brings out the big guns. He calls them all hypocrites. He looks at them all and he says, Which of you, if you had a son, some say, some, sometimes it says donkey, if you had a donkey, uh, so a male baby donkey, or an ox that had fallen into a well, and it's the Sabbath, Come on, are you not going to look both ways and see if anyone's looking and then grab it and save it? Right? And so if that's what you would do for an animal, would you not do that for a human being? Or someone that is sick, would you not reach down and save them immediately? Especially... If the Torah says nothing about healing on the Sabbath being sinful. And they could not reply to these things. They were confounded, undone. This man, Jesus, for the third time at a Pharisee's house, healed someone on the on the Sabbath in front of everyone. And God did not strike him dead. Everyone celebrated it. Their authority was done for. What they said no longer goes. Jesus heals on the Sabbath, and obviously God has made it so that this is good. And then he really has to take out the big guns. It says he told a parable to those who were invited, and then it says when he noticed how they chose the places of honor. So he's about to, you know, everyone has scrambled and fought over the best places to sit. And Jesus is about to just nuke them. He says, when you're invited by someone to a wedding feast, don't sit down in a place of honor. Lest someone who is more important than you was invited. And then he who invited you has to come and say to you, give your place to this person and you will bring with you you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. So imagine you have come to this chance encounter with Jesus. This is the one time you get to talk with Jesus one-on-one and you did exactly what he said was not the right thing to do. And why did you do it? Because it's what you sinfully wanted to do. You wanted the place of honor. How how, um, difficult would that be? That you showed your true colors. And Jesus says, this isn't what you ought to do. You ought to humble yourself. We heard the proverb. Jesus repeats it. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And may I remind you that taking this place of honor and then forcing the host To be like, oh, I'm sorry, that's not where I would like for you to sit. That shames the host. Because you've made it about you, but this is the host's feast. And now you've shamed him by making him correct you in front of the other guests. He says, instead, when you're invited, go and sit in the lowest place. And then the host can come and say, oh, please come on. Don't sit there. Move closer. I want to make sure you're in the conversation. You've all experienced this. I mean, think of the, the lunchroom at public school. And just reflect on that for a second. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Remember on the night on which he was betrayed, Jesus, it's really weird. It says he he girds up his loins. So he's wearing something like this and he would tie it up into a knot so that he was ready to work. He girded up his loins and he began to wash their feet. And then Peter's like, why are you serving us? You're the host. And Jesus says, if you want to be great in my kingdom... You become the servant. And so I serve you. I am your master, but I have become your servant. And so Jesus knocks it down to, don't even sit at the lowest seat at the table, but pick up the wash rag and serve. And then you're the highest at the meal. And lest I be reminded that Jesus humbles himself to the point of death on the cross. This is the fulfillment of what he's pointing to when he chooses to serve, to wash feet, instead of be served. And then the Lord raises him up, quite literally, if you ask me. Not only from the lowly place to the high place. From the grave, the tomb, to heaven. First coming back to earth. But from death to life. From a place that he chose to humble himself. To the place that he was brought to in honor and glory by the Father. And so... He has one more thing to say, and I think this is something that may have kept him from ever being wanted to be in close company of a Pharisee ever again. Because this one really blows up the man who hosts him. It says, he said also to the man who had invited him. So this guy, he's at this guy's house. He's sitting at the table with him, and he looks the guy who hosting, who's hosting the party in the eye, and he says, you've hosted wrong. And he takes it into his own hands. He, basically, he wrestles the bowl of hospitality away from this guy, and Jesus becomes the host. He says, when you give a dinner, don't invite your friends. These are all your friends. These are people that you like blowing smoke. They make you feel good. Next week, this guy is going to invite you over, and you maybe even like his house better. You like his wife better. His wife uh, speaks, um, you know, that um, Baroque African language that only a nobility woman could, and you think it's cool, and you're tired of your wife. He says, don't do this lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. um, You know, this is something we often do with family, right? Um, My mother hosts Easter. Her sister hosts Christmas Day. Her other sister hosts Thanksgiving. And that way, no one's angry with each other. Everyone bears the burden. You split it up. Right? Jesus says, no, when you give a feast... Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. Why? He even gives you concession for your own vanity. He says you will be blessed. Why? Because they can't repay you. That's the point. You're not looking for earthly reward. You're looking for your Father in heaven to reward you. And in so doing, God tells... Or Jesus... Man, that's a good Freudian slip. Jesus tells us what God is like. At my home church growing up, man, I hope my dad doesn't hear this one. We were on a prime location on Cass Avenue that was very near to where there was low-income housing. And government housing for people with all sorts of disabilities that were mental. And so we had all hosts of characters come into our church on Sunday mornings. And many of them came every week. No one sat with them. We tried our best to say hi and learn their names. But it was made to be known that we didn't want them there. And so my dad being the man that he is, and taught me to be, would always make sure that they felt welcome. He would go and meet them before they even came into the building. All those sorts of things, the little touches. And on Easter, he would always make sure Tim, Tom, Susan, and the list goes on, do you have a place to, eat, to have Easter dinner? And they would always say, no. My family doesn't like me anymore. I don't have family anymore. I live far away from my family. And my dad would say, come over to our house for Easter. And they would come because they wanted to be with people. And they didn't mix well with my family because we didn't know them. But we would play games with them and become or start to know them. They would become a part of our lives. And I think that's when not only myself, but also my whole family learned what God was like. Tim, Tom, Susan, etc., they were never going to have us over to their house for a holiday to pay us back for the hospitality that we showed them. But they taught us what the kingdom of God is like. This is who God wants to come to his holy mountain. People that can't pay him back. We are poor, miserable sinners We always choose the wrong thing. We always choose to not be with God, whether it be Sunday morning or when we're drinking our coffee and we could have, I don't know, read the scriptures or whatever, but we didn't. God invites those people, us sinners, to come to his table when we are repentant of our sins and he gives us life, salvation, the forgiveness of sins, And we can never pay him back, no matter what we do, no matter how much money we donate to the church or um, some secular cause or even time spent, can never pay back. And God loves that because he loves to be a good host. So when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. But you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And just let that, let that be. Let it just be a promise to you from God. You can just have that. Just let, hold on to the promise. Don't worry, it doesn't have to be, you don't have to feel guilty because you're self-interested, because you're doing it for a blessing. Just take it. He gave it to you. It's a blessing. He will repay you on the last day. Your Father who sees in secret will reward you. May the grace of God, which surpasses all human understanding, guard your hearts and your minds.